Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined by Mr. Marathon Man himself, Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm not bad, mate. I'm not bad. Not actually minding this international break for once. Uh, and we're joined on the pod by the returning Adam Newson. Adam joined us on the season preview episode. So, yeah, already quite a lot has happened since then. But Adam, how are we doing? Uh, good, thank you. Not enjoying the international break as much. I'd rather <laughs> there be uh, Chelsea games on. But uh, now other than that, all right, thank you. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think the international break just been quite good. It's allowed me to catch up on a, some Netflix, in particular Squid Game, which has seemed to have taken over everything on social media. But yeah, um, as always, with guests, I get them to give themselves a plug. Adam is obviously a writer for Football London, and Football London have got you know some great content, some great content creators on their side as well. So Adam, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter, but also you know all the great work Football London's doing covering Chelsea and many other teams this season. Yeah, so yeah, just on Twitter, it's Adam Newson, so nice and easy. And yeah, football.london's website covers Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, of course, um, a couple of other London clubs too. Um, there's a lot of stuff on there uh, from a lot of very good writers and, and content creators, as you said. So, um, so yeah, please do come and check it out. Newcastle yeah. coming soon? <laughs> no, no, I, no, no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, let's see how many jump ship to Newcastle. But anyway, it's been, you know... There was no episode last week because Jack was running the London Marathon and I couldn't, you know, get around to recording. So what we've decided to do is do, you know, look at back at the season so far because Chelsea have played seven Premier League games and they sit top of the table. And it's been, you know, a fairly decent start. So, Jack, I'll just go to you first. Played seven, won five, drawn one, lost one, 16 points. You've you got to be, you know, I don't think we've seen, you know, a vintage Chelsea by far. I don't think we've really necessarily been at our best for the last you know well since the previous international break really but still you know top of the table and you know pretty encouraging signs I guess 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you'd said to us uh, after seven games when we did our preview that we'd be top of the league after having had to play Liverpool away, Arsenal away, Spurs away, City, even teams like Villa are decent teams. So if you'd said that, I think we would have snapped your hand off. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a great start. I think our bubble was kind of a little bit burst after the after the City and Juve games. Um but still, we we've got we've got a lot to to look forward to for the rest of the season. We've got some on paper supposedly kind fixtures in the next four or five. So hopefully we can really get the momentum going. And other teams have got some difficult fixtures coming up. So maybe we can potentially open up a gap. But yeah, it's just been it's been great to be back at the bridge and and just enjoying the whole social aspect of going to the football as well. Really. Yeah, no, exactly. That has been one of the big pluses for me so far this season. Adam, obviously, you know, I think Chelsea probably haven't really put together, I guess, a, a really good 90-minute display or close to 90-minute display since Anfield in that, you know, 1-1 draw where Chelsea showed a lot of the characteristics you need to be a title contending team. You know, a, a sort of a trend has sort of been, before the Southampton game anyway recently, but, you know, pretty poor first halves. And then sort of, you know, coming back in the second half in a lot of those games. Has it been a slight worry to you that Chelsea's, you know, have started games, apart, obviously apart from the recent Southampton game, quite slowly? And there has seemed to be a bit of not hanging on because, you know, they've not, I don't think Chelsea's been under huge pressure, but a sense of, you know, not playing, not playing that well. And then, you know, turning around in the second half. And is that necessarily that sustainable? I'm not worried. I think it's probably a symptom of the fact Chelsea plays seven games in the what would be what, 21, 22 days. So there's there's going to be an element of tiredness in this squad at the moment. I think Tuchel even um, admitted that ahead of the Southampton game, that that, it, that it's not a 100% fit squad at the moment just because of the, the relentlessness of the games. But Chelsea won't be able to keep pulling things out of the fire in the second halves. They will have to, to sort of produce a complete 90-minute performance. But I think what the games that are coming up, with all due respect to those teams, what they should do is, is allow Chelsea and Tuchel to work on a few things that they maybe haven't been able to do yet in game situations. Um, obviously, you can't really be testing out new tactical constructs against Manchester City at home, uh, Liverpool away, Tottenham away, Arsenal away. You can't really do too much work apart from just making sure you win those games or at least try to. Um, we obviously saw quite an interesting little tweak against Southampton with what would be inverted wing-backs, which I thought worked quite well. It would be interesting to see if that goes on again. Um, but in terms of a 90-minute performance, yeah, I think Chelsea do have to produce one of those soon just to, to be a bit more convincing than they have done, even though they are getting points on the board. Yeah, nah, that seems fair enough to me. Obviously, you know, I think one of the things that stood out for me, Southampton game, obviously, you know, we didn't discuss Southampton, so I'll kind of use this. Now, Southampton was uh, Tuchel didn't seem to be afraid to use his squad. You know, I thought it was very telling, Adam, the fact that he had Kai Havertz and Hakim Ziyech on bench at 1-1 and he turns to Ross Barkley to change the game. Ross Barkley, who's only saw previous minutes, had been a sub-appearance in the Carabao Cup and a late sub-appearance against Juventus in the Champions League player. But, you know, we were kind of wondering, what is he still doing here? And while we probably, you know, for a lot of people are still wondering, what is he doing here? You know, I think that kind of, a lot of praise, I guess, has to go to Tuchel for, you know, the, the confidence he's got to use his squad and trust the players around the squad, not afraid to sort of make a, a bold a bold claim that if, you know, if that doesn't come off, he's getting pelters for leaving Kai and Ziyech on the bench. Yeah, but I think the flip side to that is he had given Ziyech and Havertz a good run of games to try and rediscover their form. And I actually asked Tuchel afterwards, you know, 
why did you turn to Ross Barkley ahead of ahead of those two? Because that isn't a change that we would have probably expected. And he essentially just said, well, Kai and, and Hakim are out of form. We've given them chances to find form. They haven't found it. Whereas Ross Barkley, because of his situation, doesn't feel any pressure. Because let's face it, none of us expected him to be playing this season. He probably didn't expect to be playing this season. So when you put him on that pitch, there's not going to be a real sense of, of pressure for him because it is... Um, a chance it's an enjoyable moment for him to actually get minutes so completely understand Tuchel's thinking um similar to Loftus-Cheek in a way although I uh I always thought Ruben would manage to sort of work his way back into this setup just because he's brilliant and has always been brilliant no matter what Fulham fans will tell you um and I think it's going to be very interesting in the weeks going forward just to see how Tuchel continues to use this squad if he does try and get Havertz and Ziyech back on song I think he will um, but there's no doubt here. I think he'll also keep turning to Barkley and, and I, I don't think it's now going to be a surprise when he turns to Ruben either um, I think Ruben's definitely going to be part of like the regular first team sort of side um, dropping in and out just like the other midfielders will be Yeah, no, and also I guess on this sort of talk about you know Kai and Hakim's disappointment form this seems quite a good opportunity Remember to put in this question because then which one player has impressed you the most this season? Which player has been below par your expectations as the season so far? So, Jack, which one player has impressed you the most and which one player has been below your expectations? Um, I think if you're looking at the season as a whole, I think who's performed the best and seems to have taken their game up to another level, um, actually contributing more assists, etc., You've got you've got to give it to someone like Kovacic. He really had a electric start to the season um, and really made us tick in that midfield when a lot of us probably thought, oh, he's not going to get many opportunities this season with starting a Jorginho and a Kante. But Kante's kind of injury injury problems that we have to manage has yeah allowed him at the start of the season to to start and he really took his chance and he's been he's been class. Um, Someone else I'd just give a shout out to uh, would be Ruben. I think if if you're not looking at someone who who's performed from the start, you you look at someone who comes off the bench and who who has the biggest impact. And every time he's played this season, he's made a massive impact. I look at the City game where we were sat. I was sat there thinking this is pants. We were just camped in our own half the whole first half really struggling and he brings them on for 15, 20 minutes and made a huge, huge impact. Was our best player on the pitch, but by a shadow of, without a shadow of a doubt, honestly. So um, he he's really impressed me, really taken his chance every time he's come on. And like Adam said, I think he's definitely going to be involved throughout the rest of the season. Um, then for who who's disappointed me the most? Um yeah, you can look to a to a to someone like Ziyech. Just it's, it's yeah, the inconsistencies of last season just carrying through into this season, just not really hitting the ground running, taking his chances, and that's why people like Ross Barkley are then being given a chance. Kai as well. I thought he had a good good start to the season, um, looked pretty sharp, and then's just kind of tailed off. Even someone like Mason, by his standards, you say he'd be wanting more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they, there's a few where they haven't had the greatest starts to the season, but they just need to get their heads down, knuckle down and 
and come back fighting because we'll need the whole squad throughout the season due to the amount of games we're going to have to play. Yeah. And which one player has impressed you the most and which one player has been below your expectations for this season? Uh, just in terms of consistency and level of performance, Rudiger's probably the standout for me this season. Um, he started every single game bar the, the Carabao Cup game against Villa and has been pretty much flawless, which is a huge turnaround from sort of 12 months ago. Just the say the consistency he's found in his game is, is incredible and I just find him really entertaining to watch as well um, as an aside, which you don't always want from a defender, but when he's charging forward 25 yards and then shooting from 30, it is entertaining, even though you know there's very little chance of it going in. Um, but I have to say, the little pass he played for Lukaku's goal that was disallowed against uh, Southampton was brilliant. Um, in terms of underperforming players, yeah, I probably would say Kai, just because... I really, really expected Kai to have a big season um, off the back of scoring in the Champions League final, feeling a bit more relaxed at Chelsea, having had a year to bed in as well. Um, and to be honest, it is it is just a sign of the level I think he can reach uh, that I'm disappointed with probably what he's done so far because I do think the ceiling for Kai is so, so high, but he needs to start performing week in, week out. We can't just see flashes in a, in a game. We need to see sort of 78 minute performances week in week out um but it's interesting because uh during this international rank i had to do season player ratings and basically most of the defenders have played well most of the attackers haven't played well which isn't just a microcosm of, of tuckle's reign entirely but we all know the defense is king under tuckle and it's kind of staying that way so far this season yeah in fact that our defense is actually scoring quite a lot of our goals this season as well uh which one players impressed me the most I think Kovacic is the outstanding player so far. He's He would be, at this stage of the season, my player of the season. I give, uh, I say, oh, to be fair, I could give a shout out to all the defence because they've been immense. I think Thiago Silva really has like impressed me ever since he stepped on against, came sort of in from the cold against Liverpool. He's just been immense for that performance against Spurs. Against, OK, maybe he'll be a slightly disinterested Harry Kane, but he was still brilliant. Uh, and then the other one I'll give is Trevor Chalaba. I think he was a player not many of us, you know, you a huge amount of. I remember Adam, you know, when we were on the pod discovered the season, the kind of impression we got was, you know, he might play the Super Cup, but we still expected him to head out on loan. Uh, that's not been the case. And, you know, when he's had his games in the Premier League, he has definitely seized him. He's already scored two Premier League goals. I think he kind of, it looks like he's, you know, fit in pretty seamlessly to this Chelsea defence. Seems like he's play, been playing there for, for forever, really. I think that's been a really... Uh, encouraging signs. So those would be, I guess, my three that impressed me most. In terms of being below expectations, I feel like Hakim Ziyech is like the obvious one. I think he actually, you know, it's frustrating as well because I do think, you know, people sort of clamour for him to get opportunities, but I did think he had, he had a run where he did start, I think, about four of the six games. There was a period where we played about six games and he started four of them, and including games like Zenit in the Champions League, the Villa games in the League and Cup, etc. Juventus away, and he just didn't really seize those opportunities. That was quite disappointing for me. Uh, Kai, I think, has just been poor since the first international break. I don't know what it is. It seems like him and Mason just haven't quite been at the level since that first international break. I think Mason started the season actually quite well. And then since that first international break, just the level's not quite been the same. Same with Kai. Uh, so, yeah, those would be, I guess, the two of some others who've, you know, not quite been at the expectations of met. But obviously, I think, you know, with Mason, we do have very high expectations for him. And he will no doubt return to those levels. And to be fair, I think we saw signs of that in that, you know, cameo against Southampton where he was, you know, some of the touches he made, he should have had an assist, you know, before Chilwell eventually got the ball over the line. So now, yeah, I think those players will 
hopefully hopefully come good i guess you know one potential slight frustration or worries you know trying to get the best out of romelu lukaku it does it seemed you know after a really bright start the last few games chelsea have sort of struggle to necessarily get the best out of Rom. And Dan Hill asks, given Romelu Lukaku's exploits for his national team, how much freer he looks at, what did Chelsea need to do to unlock more of him, Adam? What, how did Chelsea sort of go about getting the best out of Romelu Lukaku? Because Tom, I think Tuchel said himself, you know, not all, you know, some players like I think Mason have a really good understanding with, with Rom, but I guess not all the players have a great understanding, you know, with Rom. And I guess that sort of showed with some of the performances. Well, I think what, what Chelsea have to do primarily, and I'd say I wrote this piece as well, Jim, last week, is, is let Lukaku move more than they have done so far. He's very much been this focal point of the attack and he very much stays in the middle of the pitch for most of the game. It's where most of his touches are. But the problem with that is he's getting the ball quite often with a defender right behind him, um, if not another defender behind him too. So he's always having to play with his back to goal, which he can do a lot better than he used to do. Um but it doesn't utilise what he probably is best at, which is having a bit of space to, to turn on the ball, have a look up and then work out essentially the best route to go. Um, and we haven't really seen that from him since maybe Arsenal or Villa. Uh, um, the Villa goal, the first one he scored, is probably a good example of what Chelsea need to get Rondo more in terms of actually running into space if they can create it for him. Um, in terms of the the way to unlock him this is the tricky thing because i do think in time chelsea are going to have to settle on a three that complement uh each other well in terms of lukaku and two but given the options chelsea have tuckle kind of does have to rotate to try and keep everybody happy so there isn't the same time to keep up or oh, sorry to develop partnerships um i thought we saw against southampton what can be achieved if you've got runners either side of him. Um, we still didn't see the best of Lukaku, but there were more chances created than that with Hudson, Adoy and Werner. Do wonder how much Christian Pulisic's potential return could be a factor just because the way he plays, he will attract defenders to him and create space for Lukaku. Um, and Mason, Mason, I think, actually might benefit from having been injured, which I know sounds a bit silly, but him having sort of a week off might actually not be the worst thing just because he has played so much football over the past two years that having a little bit of a break might just reinvigorate him. And I do think the way Mason plays could help Lukaku um, in terms of his movement off the ball is very good. Um, and he can pick a pass despite what a lot of people would try to have you believe. So, um, so yeah, I appreciate there's not a hard answer there, but uh, I do think it will take a bit of time. And as I, said, as I said earlier, I do think these upcoming games will actually give Chelsea an opportunity to work on a couple of things attacking-wise to try and get more out of Lukaku because I know Tuchel um has said that he's that you know Lukaku's doing what he needs him to do but I'm sure he'll want more from from his club record signing yeah so uh Jack Adams sort of mentioned you know trying to settle on the front three and Travis Travis's question was who is your front three for any given match this season obviously at the start of the season seen you know Mount Havertz and Lukaku you know was picked and we saw against Arsenal they had that front three work really really well against Liverpool in that first half you know it kind of worked really well but I guess, in, again, since the international break where Mount's not been quite at it and Kai's not been at it, that front three hasn't worked quite quite as well. We've seen different front threes. We've seen the Ziyech, Havertz, uh, Lukaku front three. And against, you know, Southampton, we saw Callum Hudson-Odoi get, get, get given a rare opportunity in an attacking position and on the left-hand side as well. And when we saw Timo Werner on the right and Lukaku 
up front. And that was arguably sort of, in terms of attacking the space, probably one of our best, particularly in the first half. So for you, what is your, I guess, front three? Do you have like a preference how important, you know, is someone like Timo Werner to that front three? Because he was, you know, against Southampton, he was really the difference maker. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's one of those, it's the easy kind of answer, isn't it? You can just say, it depends on who you're playing. Um, team Teams like Southampton leave you a lot of space in behind. Someone like Timo Werner is going to be very effective. And we saw that last weekend. So I think you could then go for him, Rom, and someone like Mason. I think personally for me, I know Mason hasn't hit the levels since the, uh, the since did it at the start of the season, but I still think he. You saw it against City when he was injured. You saw how much we missed him. Um, so I think him and Lukaku are, are two that should take the two of the three spots definitely. And then I think the other one, depending on who we're playing, you could go for Timo in there, or if if someone like Kai starts rediscovering form, you can go for go for him in there. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and this kind of brings me on, guys, got mentioned Timo Werner there briefly. Have the last, I guess, couple of weeks been encouraging for you as a Chelsea fan watching Timo Werner? Obviously, you know, he got his goal against Villa in the Carabao Cup sort of in that rare start. Against City, although I don't think he was necessarily brilliant, he was still making, you know, pretty good runs against Spurs in the league. I actually thought he had a really good cameo appearance where, you know, he came on Chelsea, created a lot of good opportunities and Timo should have got a goal. I mean, against Southampton, you know, I thought that was a really, really strong showing for him. Showed a lot of, you know, he, Southampton obviously left him a lot of space, which he, you know, capitalised on, you know, but he had a goal disallowed, unfortunately, you know, for VAR. We won't get into that for going back to however long it was to to find a reason to disallow it. But when Chelsea, you know, were struggling, it was one, you know, it was one, one, you know, he came up with that big moment, that big goal. And I'm not going to compare it to Torres against West Ham in the rain because it's perhaps not quite the same. But it did feel like it did feel like a really big, big moment that for Timo Werner to get his first, I guess, Premier League goal at Stamford Bridge in front of fans and to, to, you know, to really get them on his side. Because then for the next five or so minutes after that, his name is the one being echoed around the stadium. How, I guess, encouraging of Timo Werner's performance has been in recent weeks for you? And is this hopefully a step in the right direction for him or is it still a bit too early? I mean, maybe I have a bit of a different view because obviously I was fortunate enough to be going to games uh, last season a lot when there weren't any fans there. But I don't think Timo's doing anything dramatically different to what he was doing last season. The energy's still there, the constant running still there, the, the, the sort of erratic play he can he can give you still there. Um, I find him just an incredibly interesting player. He. I, I love his mentality. He he just keeps going. Nothing seems to affect him, no matter how many misses he has. Um, he just keeps getting into the positions, and if he misses, he'll miss again. And if he if you keep missing, eventually he'll get one. Um, and I love that mentality about him. Um, I don't particularly think we're going to see a completely new Timo Werner this season. I think he's pretty much set. Uh, he's what twenty five now. I can't see him dramatically altering his game. Maybe I'm, I'm doing him a bit of a disservice, but I think we kind of know what we'll get from Timo. He probably does help Lukaku in the sense of creating space for him a little bit more um, and just offering something very different. I do think we'll still see games where he drops out of the team just because when there isn't space, we know he can struggle. He's not a player who will beat opponents no matter no matter how quick he is. He doesn't have that sort of innate dribbling ability of a, of a Pulisic or Hudson-Odoi. So against low blocks, he probably 
deal won't have a huge impact. But hey, look, team the way Timo plays, he's always going to get fans on the side. Um, the way he say that relentlessness, the fact he doesn't give up, that counts for a lot for supporters inside the stadium. Um, so yeah, he'll he'll have support from those in the ground. He'll score some goals. He'll miss chances as well. Um, but it doesn't mean he can't be an effective weapon in 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 certain games for Chelsea. I've, I've no doubt about that. Yeah, nah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Jack Callum Hudson Odoi, kind of you know, briefly mentioned he got he got that rare opportunity to start on the front three. Normally, you know, we've seen him as a wing back. And while you know, at the same time, we're pleased for Callum to get minutes because we kind of wanted him to go on loan. It is also frustrating as being there. But against Southampton, he played really. Well. I thought he actually played well. Was it, I guess, slightly frustrating for you that sixty around sixtieth minute mark? He's the one subbed off for Mason. Did that, I guess, disappoint you at all? Or was it, I guess, well, you've got Timo's actually having quite a good game, so you don't want to sub him off. Romelu Lukaku, you just don't really ever want to sub off because he can get you a goal. Was Callum, I guess, you know, just unfortunately just the natural one for Tuchel to make a change despite it maybe seeing a bit harsh on him? Yeah, I think I think the, yeah, the description you just said uh, hits the nail on the head, really. When... when Timo, Timo's playing well, had a goal disallowed, and then uh, working really hard, you 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 want to give him that opportunity to go and get that goal. Um, and then Lukaku, you just it's one of those you it's like Messi, you don't you don't take him off well unless you're Pochettino, but <laughs> you just you leave him on just because he can create something out of nothing. So um, yeah, disappointing for him, but that. That's just how it's how it's going at the moment for him. If he if he was going to stay on there, he really needed to go and put a nine, ten out of ten performance, um, which that didn't quite happen at the end of the day. Um, it, yeah, it is disappointing for the kid. I I personally think, yeah, I personally think the best option would have been for him to go on loan this season somewhere like like a Dortmund where he was linked. To go and get that that game time at, at his age, um, you need to be starting to get games under your belt at the end of the day. Um, and while he's at Chelsea, it's it's seemingly going to be stop start for him, stop start for him, unless unless he starts putting in really really big performances. So yeah, it's it's a difficult one when he's uh, like one of one of your own and come through the academy. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. I, all, all, it's one of those like Timo. All the all the fans, you really want him to do well. Um, really want him to perform at the highest level, but it's just not quite clicking for him. Just can I just add on this? I think it's strange that Callum's played a hundred appearances, has made a hundred appearances now for Chelsea, and we still don't really know what he is or can be. I think this is the problem we've got with Callum is. There's always, he's dropped in for a game. He doesn't absolutely tear it up. So he comes out, maybe has to wait three or four weeks for another game, comes in again. And it's kind of this rinse and repeat. And I really hope that Tuchel breaks this going actually in the weeks ahead because Chelsea do, as I said earlier, they have winnable games coming up. And I think this is an opportunity to give Callum four or five starts in the bounce in that left-wing role. And hopefully we can actually see maybe whether or not it's worth continuing this sort of dance of Callum, um, not just for, for Chelsea's benefit, for, but for his benefit too, because I still think there's a huge, huge amount of potential to be unlocked in Callum, but we're not going to see it unless he's actually given a bit of a sustained run of games in his preferred role. You cannot expect him to be dropped in after three weeks out of the team and tear things up in that position. You need some uh, some 
sustained minutes there, some, some regularity just to, to get a feel of, of the movements. And I think it'll all come back to him quite quickly, but I would like to see him start maybe the next three or four, just so we can kind of get an idea of where he is and what he could potentially become. Because at the end of the season, he'll have two years left on his contract. And there is going to have to be a decision to be made at that point on his part and Chelsea's part, because say 100 appearances and we still don't know what he can become. That's probably telling enough in itself. Yeah, on that, Adam, I think I can't remember if it was you tweeted like not that long ago. You could, I think it was a tweet you sort of, but Hakim Ziyech has got those four of six appearances and they put in those forms. And you could see, I think it was like, I can't remember the lines, but that, that's why Chelsea fans get frustrated. Yeah, I think with Callum, when Callum Hudson Adoy doesn't get an opportunity, Callum just doesn't get those same opportunities that others get yeah. afforded. And that I think he had a good bright cameo off the bench against Ju- Juventus. He was probably one of the better players. From it, it's quite quite telling the fact that Tuchel started with a completely non-English eleven, and then all five subs were were English players. I think four of them were from from Cobham, so uh, that kind of was quite telling. But with with Kalamad Stoys, it you know it does sort of to me feel like case okay, so like we've just got to go for it. We we've sort of been half arsed, you know, not one for in, one foul. We not really fully committing to I guess the Callum Hudson Adoy project, which has been going on for what, three or four years now. I'm not I'm not saying you know you should just you know. I'm not saying, you know, we've got to prioritise Callum Hudson-Odoi over the best of Chelsea, but at the same time, when you see the minutes and the opportunities that others have got, and I, you know, I kind of said on pod last season, then it's a moot point now because he's left, but I got frustrated with the amount of opportunities Timo Werner got compared to Tammy Abraham. Um, but you, I guess... what, you look what Tammy's done with sustained minutes at Roma, straight off the bat. Like, Tammy's clearly got the confidence of Jose Mourinho, and that counts for a lot when you feel that confidence. You feel that if you miss a chance, you're not going to be taken out of the team for the next week. You feel that almost you're more relaxed about your position and that probably helps your form. I think, as I say, just that's not what we've got with Callum at the moment. It is half in, half out. You've got Chelsea rejecting loan offers from Bayern Munich with £70 million options because they think Callum can be really good, but they're not really, or, or, or no Chelsea coach has really invested the time to find out if Callum can be really good. We just know he's got a lot of potential at the moment. He's got the talent. But apart from that, we're kind of still waiting to find out about it all. Um, and as I said, Chelsea, the, the fixes Chelsea have coming up, I think does give Tuchel an opportunity to, to really do it, to give Callum five games on the bounce. And you could almost tell Callum, look, we're giving you five games. You're going to start the next five, injuries depending. You can go out there and feel confident that if you make a mistake, I'll probably shout at you because that's what Tuchel does. But you will start the next week. And only through doing that, I think, will we see the real Callum start to emerge. And, you know, after those five games, if he hasn't scored a goal, if he hasn't created a couple, then you can maybe go, you know what? Well, we've we've had a little bit of a go at this now. We, we've sort of started to see the results a bit. But without doing that, you, as you say, you're still just half in, half out on the whole project. And it's just kind of getting boring at this point. I'm sure <laughs> Callum's frustrated because he did want to get out on loan as well. So, Yeah, I guess one player who we guess maybe we're not in half in, half out, and he's Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and he did briefly touch on him. You know, Ruben got his first Premier League start of the season against Hampton Jack. I remember we were at the Zenit game with a mate of ours, who's a Fulham fan, and when Ruben Loftus-Cheek came on, he laughed. Um, <laughs> and we, at the time, we thought, this is a really odd substitution. There's about two minutes left, and he's bringing Ruben on. And we, did, we didn't quite get it. We were like, is this just to sort of, is it sympathy minutes? Is it to, you know, just make him, I guess, try and feel a bit part of the squad, but then we saw he got that start against um, Villa in the Carabao Cup and he put in a really strong showing. He was really good off the bench against City. He was good off the bench against Juventus and he got that start against Southampton. I actually thought that midfield of him and Kovacic 
was actually a really exciting midfield to watch, especially in that first. Both really dynamic players. I think the amount of times I saw Ruben Loftus-Cheek just glide past James Ward-Prowse just effortlessly, you know, and that was, you know, he was getting forward. He was brave on the ball. But also that midfield too, I think different to what we'd seen, I guess, in previous week, both were not afraid to make play those risky passes, not afraid to play those bold, progressive passes. But I guess in recent weeks, we have been lacking, I guess, playing the safe option a bit too much. Yeah, no, I I personally think Ruben's been been top notch, and of the little chances that he was given at the start of the season, he fully grabbed them. He showed to Tuchel that, yep, yeah, I'm good enough. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm training hard. I'm ready to be called on when you need me. And and he's done that since those first few appearances, and now he's starting games. Um, I think we alluded to it on alluded to it on the pod after that Zenit game. We kind of said. Those two minutes that he got on the pitch kind of felt a bit, a bit disrespectful to him, and a bit just here you go, here here's a couple of minutes. But it, he really clearly showed Tuchel in training that yeah, I I am ready, and he he it wasn't just a sort of throwaway two minutes. It was here's here's your two minutes, and then he gave him gave him the starts and gave him the opportunities in the other games and. Yeah, he really hasn't let him down. It's it's been quality to see him picking up the ball, not being afraid, um, turning people, going past people. Um, because it, yeah, it's the same. It's the same as what we've said for someone like Barkley. It's the no no pressure aspect. Ruben might do, not do that sometimes in the in the past if if he knew. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get substituted straight away. He's he's playing with that freedom and. I think anyone who's who's played football in the past will tell you if if they've got the trust of of their manager and coaches and you can just go out there and and do you and and not have that pressure then you'll you're going to perform better at the end of the day and he he's yeah been really really exciting and especially after last season where he didn't have a great loan at Fulham and a lot of people had written him off and you thought if he's not performed very well for a team that were rock bottom of the Premier League and got relegated, then how's he going to come into a Chelsea team that wants to start challenging for the Premier League? So just hats off to him at the end of the day. And I think he, he's going to be starting a lot more matches this season. Yeah, Adam, you know, I think Jeff's mentioned, like Kamal Stoll, we all want Ruben Loft, we want him to see. I think it's pretty clear everyone at Chelsea Football Club wants Ruben Loftus-Cheek, you know, to make it at Chelsea. There is so much love for him. And I also think he's probably a player who we don't like. We I don't think we have a player, I guess, similar of his profile at the club. I guess or maybe the link, you know, Tino Andrin, who's gone out on loan, is maybe, I guess, the next one similar line. But I don't think we have that player like him. Again, I know it's just one game against him, but we saw the way he just effortlessly, like, like you know, bypassed that Southampton midfield pretty effortlessly, you know, nearly had a goal, good effort on the volley, just wide. But there just seems to be, you know, just a real... It's just a you know a confidence back amongst Ruben. It's I mean it's not I know it's not been you know a huge sample of games, but in what we've seen, there just seems to be a real you know, just yeah. Ruben just sort of seems to be I don't want to say back, but he just seems to be sort of, you know back more confident in himself. I guess perhaps he didn't have before. Yeah, to be honest, I don't think there are many clubs in in European football who possess a player like Ruben because he's such he's physically such a, a big bloke. He's got quite a turn of pace once he gets going. Yeah, he does have the sort of quick feet of a winger almost. Um, so it's a very unique skill set he does have. And 
that Chelsea are being able to harness that is 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 hugely important because I I wasn't as down on Ruben's loan uh, last season as a lot of people were. Um, I did a wrote a piece in the summer where I looked at sort of his underlying numbers from that loan, and they were weirdly similar to his Palace loan, um, which everyone when he came back from that everyone was really hyped about him. Obviously, the sort of goals and assists weren't there this this time around, which you know there is something to be in that. And I think that's why a lot of Fulham fans were down on him because he didn't produce the numbers. But I felt, I don't know, I just felt he could have an impact. Um, as you said, he, he's got quite a unique skill set. So I'm delighted for him. Um, he's obviously not in this team. He's not in this team just because he is a young uh, academy graduate now. He's, he's 25, I think. He's in his team on merit. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Tuchel moulds this midfield going forward because there is now quite a wealth of options with Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic, Ruben, obviously Saul, who, who's not really got minutes yet um, and not looked great in the minutes he has got. Um, I do expect that to change at, at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I'm delighted for Ruben. I'm really pleased. And uh, it's nice to see another academy graduate doing well. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Salva. I think one of the big pluses Ruben has done already, and I know it's, it seems like he's already jumped above Saul in the pecking order. With Saul, I, I mean, I guess it's, it's really early days and it's hard to tell. But is it is this? Do you see this just being literally a season loan just for a you know for bodies, and then he'll likely return to Atletico Madrid, or is it, is it? I guess too early to say at this point. I mean, it's still too early. I wasn't that keen on the loan. Anyway, to be honest, I would, as I said, I thought Ruben could have covered off fourth midfielder as he has do it. He has done anyway. I don't know. It's it's a hard one because he he will get better, but I guess from Tuchel's perspective is when do you drop him in? Um, and I think this is going to be the hard thing because Kante is going to be or should be fit now, having um, come out of COVID nineteen isolation. Jorginho does need a break. I think he's looked a little bit tired at the start of this season. Um, but then Kovacic is playing well. You've got Ruben playing well. Um, I'm not really sure when you, you drop Saul in. I thought it was intriguing that Tuchel basically said he didn't. He was close to picking Saul against Southampton, but didn't want to put him up against another team that presses really high after the sort of Villa showing. Um, and there's a lot of teams that do that in the Premier League that, that get around you and, and don't give you time on the ball. And I think this is going to be the problem is when do Chelsea drop him in? And if they can't find too many opportunities, it's difficult to really see them investing the money next summer. Especially, as we know, they still have a sort of interest in a West Ham United player. Yes, and they've also got a couple of players out on loan who are having, I guess, differing fortunes, which is what I want to briefly move on to now, talking about the loans. Obviously, we'll start off, I guess, like Neg- Billy Gilmore's at Norwich. My prediction of Norwich staying up at the start of the season that I made on the pod with you boys is not looking very good at the moment, unfortunately. They got off a mark for their first point uh, against Burnley before the international break. Uh, Adam, I guess for Billy Gilmore loan, is it if we if we're being positive, is it hopefully going to be I guess like the Conor Gallagher loan at West Brom last year where he sort of shines in a, a poor team, or is it going to be you know perhaps just really detrimental to Billy because it, it it's got to, you know at the start of the season everyone's like, oh Billy you know Farker the connection with Tuchel it seems really good, but having seen Norwich obviously I think Billy also hasn't you know there's been a couple of games Billy's been left on the bench for, is there this I guess the sense that this loan might not now you know been the best one for Billy or is it is it's quite tough because obviously and you know obviously you know looking at someone like Brighton you think oh if Billy could have gone to Brighton that would have been 
a brilliant loan for him. But is it with Norwich one? Is it, you know, I guess a tough one to sort of reassess him? And is it, you know, perhaps not going, obviously Norwich aren't, it's obviously not going the way we'd like because Norwich are struggling, but is the loan perhaps in hindsight not looking the best idea? Or is it still getting him, you know, good minutes at a good level? I'm, I'm sure he's learning a lot from him in the loan. I'm sure in terms of positionally, defensively, he's going to improve whether or not it's, my fear about this is whether or not it's going to be enough for him to come back next season and be involved. Um, or as you say, maybe he's going to have to go down the Collar Gallagher route of going out again, which when you consider he was involved last season, it is probably a step back. There may be, you know, I can't tell any young player how to, to handle their their careers, but I think you look at what Billy did last season, maybe there is, and, and Ruben this season, maybe there is logic to just staying around at Chelsea sometimes and being involved in the first team squad. And when you are handed an opportunity, taking that rather than going out on loan, um, because on a lot of occasions, these loans don't dramatically shift you that much closer to the Chelsea first team than you were when you left. Um, we'll get on to Connor, who's who started brilliantly, and maybe that's that's sort of a, an outlier, but um. But yeah, as things stand, it, I think Norwich are doing worse than pretty much everybody expected. Um, yeah, and that's going to probably harm Billy in terms of just being able to jump back into the Chelsea picture next season. But who knows? As we said, Tuchel and Farker know each other well. Maybe maybe Farker's still uh, still shining um, the spotlight on Billy and giving him praise, uh, or relaying praise to Tuchel. But, um, but yeah, it's not not probably worked out as as they'd hoped so far. Anyway. Yeah, and. Uh... On the Adam you tweeted a link earlier week for a fancy football London predict for Premier League table. I think after it was about about Christmas time. I think after about nineteen games, I had Norwich on three points. So it's yeah, it's, it's not looking uh, not looking great for for Norwich. Uh, Jack Billy, you know, obviously a player. You know, we're very excited about. We know the boy is ridiculously talented. Is it just one that hopefully you know? I guess unlike maybe you know Ruben last year at Fulham, Billy does seem to be. The Norwich boys, from what I've seen online, certainly do seem to really like the guy. Seems to be really, you know, popular there. I guess is it a sense of well, maybe just like just get minutes in the tank for him because he's, you know, he's a young, is he's young, but he also bear in mind he hasn't played since he broke in. He's had two, you know, two seasons at Chelsea, not playing a huge amount. I guess just get minutes in the tank and then hopefully, you know, maybe just be a slightly late developer to this Chelsea team, considering the midfield Chelsea have got currently with Jorginho you know, in the form of his life, Kante still there, Kovacic in good form, that the Billy can just, you know, maybe just slow down ever so slightly in terms of his progress in getting, becoming a mainstay in the Chelsea team, but just actually building himself up career-wise and then hopefully in it being ready for Chelsea in maybe two or three years. Mm-hmm. I mean, firstly, I'll just say I was I was a bit disappointed. I think I said at the end of last year, I would, I would have liked to have seen him stay at Chelsea this season. Uh, I know he would have had the Jorginho, Kovacic and Kante ahead of him, but we all know Kante's not going to play every game in the season. Um, and he could have been that fourth man and, and fought for a spot. And like we've seen with, with injuries and and switching things up, he would have got chances so far this season. Um, so that was slightly disappointing. But at the end of the day, if he goes to Norwich and and can get a decent amount of games in the Premier League, the best league under his belt. Um, I still think it's it's great experience for him. Um, I know for for your career going forward, you don't want to be at a team like Norwich 
fighting against relegation. But at the same time, I think that will be a really good learning curve for him because being in the Chelsea youth teams, they won pretty much everything. I think when he was in the A-teams, they won the quadruple. So to see that other side of the game at another club will will massively benefit him as a person and and as a player. And from from what I've seen, I think a couple, a couple of games where he dropped to the bench, one of them might have been tactical, but one was after the international break where he played a few games for Scotland. So I don't know if they were looking to manage him there, but when I've seen him play, especially against Liverpool in the Cup where uh, they they lost, but if they'd scored the, the penalty, they could have been right back in the game. I thought he was brilliant that game. You can see the quality of him. And like you said, Nick, I know a lot of the Norwich fans really do rate him highly. So, yeah, we just got to kind of <laughs> fingers crossed and hope Norwich can... Uh, somehow come and pick up some points going forward now I know they had a difficult start so um, we'll we'll just have to see there but I, I, yeah I still think at the end of the day it's it's good experience for experience for him going there but it's it, it's not something it's not something he wants to keep doing for another couple of seasons if he really wants to go and get into the Chelsea team yeah, um, just before we move on to quickly to kind of Gary, I guess with Billy, are we kind of hoping also that Farker stays in charge? Because I guess if a new manager comes in, then Billy's Billy could easily just get cast aside, I guess, just trying to, you know, for a new manager, literally just trying to find a way to, to scrap points and not taking perhaps as many risks as Farker. Yeah, I think so. You need uh, you need Farker to stay. Um, partly because, as you say, Billy was his signing, but also because of the relationship we took also. Yeah, you, you need that. You need that to, to, to continue, even though the results um, aren't aren't there. Just because you don't want a new manager coming in and Billy sidelined for the rest of the season, I'm not sure if Chelsea have a recall clause in the loan. Um, that's something actually might look into. Um, but uh, but yeah, as things stand, you'd want Farker there just for the relationship with Tuchel and, and the fact that he does seem to trust Billy. Yeah, uh, I guess on a slightly more positive note, has been Conor Gallagher and his progress at Crystal Palace. Um, Adam, you know, obviously last year, I guess he was a shining light at West Brom. And it seems, like, I guess, a pattern of Conor He's sort of almost been a shining light wherever he's been. Obviously, he was a star at Charlton and then they suffered without him when he went mid-loan um, mid-season to Swansea and he helped Swansea get into the playoffs. And then obviously last year went to West Brom and he was, yes, say, a shining light in that team. And at Palace, under Patrick Vieira, to be fair, Palace have actually, you know, performed perhaps better than a lot of us expected this season. Uh, he's been, you know, a real, real positive from obviously got that brace against West Ham, you know, a couple of really good well taken goals, you know, won a penalty, won a couple of penalties for him. He's been, you know, a real, I guess, live wire in that in that really exciting Crystal Palace team, you know, under playing playing under Patrick Vieira. And I guess the question is, is this loan hopefully going to be enough to get him into that Chelsea picture next season? Because there is, you know, that that boy is from what I watch of him, there is a lot, a lot of talent there. And you'd like to think that he would be able to find a way into this Chelsea team. You'd like to think so. I mean it- he impressed in pre-season with Chelsea, but it all came down to the fact that there were too many midfield options here already, um, which is pretty much what Tuchel said to, to him, from what I understand, that it, there's no guarantee you can play here. So, yeah, he's doing everything he can. He, he's been absolutely fantastic for Palace. I like that he's probably shown off the, the attacking side of his game more than he had the chance to last season, where he was a lot more industrious in midfield um, for West Brom. It's, 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 it's a tough one. Like, as you say, he can't be doing any more than he is doing. The options Chelsea have in midfield are very, very strong. So there is that 
that difficulty of getting into the squad, but um, he's giving himself every chance. And it, it, it would be it'd be a nice story if he was able to follow in the footsteps of Mount and, and James. Um, but uh, kind of saw this summer a little bit, I guess, that if, if there isn't that place in the team next summer, um, then these young players are not that keen to just keep going out alone anymore. They they probably want to break that cycle and get to a to another club. So um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that one works out. But he he has been fantastic in these early weeks of the season. Yeah, and I guess you know maybe if he does go, we can maybe hopefully put in a bye bye clause like we have <laughs> done with a certain Valentino Livramento. Obviously, I know he's not our player anymore, but but having seen. Us without Reese James and Reese Weiss, having seen as Pilaqueta at wing back, and this is no disservice to Dave, because and we will get onto the Ballon d'Or list shortly, because Dave being on there, just you know, <laughs> what a what an achievement for him. But it does almost seem like Chelsea could have done with a wing back. And Adam, I know it's early days, but he started at Southampton. I think you know, youngest player to play over six consecutive games or whatever in the Premier League since Phil Jones was at Blackburn uh, back in the day. And After I his company right there. <laughs> hopefully he doesn't quite go down the same path as Phil Jones. But he's, you know, we got to see him, I guess, for many people firsthand at Stanford Bridge. And on the first half, I thought perhaps he did struggle a little bit. Second half, I thought he was brilliant defensively. And obviously he won Southampton's penalty. Chelsea do have a buyback clause there. Obviously, I don't think it's, you know, I think Chelsea probably have to wait a couple of years for it to be active because Southampton aren't just going to agree to it. And then about six months later, him go back to <laughs> Southampton. But how, I guess, Feasible, do you think it is that Chelsea could maybe look to get back Tino Livermento in the next couple of years? Because I guess we were looking at Hakimi in the summer and I guess Chelsea's flirting with Hakimi was maybe another reason why Livermento decided, nah, I'm gone. But do you think it's feasible that maybe 2022, 2023, that we see Livermento back at Chelsea? I don't think it's unfeasible, um, especially given the trajectory he's already on. Um, yeah, it's a shame he... he he felt that his best path was away from us, uh, from away from Chelsea. You understand why. Um, there was a contract offer on the table for Livermento most of last season, um, and he didn't sign it. And from what I understand, Chelsea did chuck a fairly big contract at him in the sort of week or two before he actually went to Southampton again. He said no because it wasn't about the money really; um, it was about that opportunity. And look, let's face it, he probably wouldn't have got it at Chelsea at least nowhere near on the level he's, he's had it at Southampton. You wouldn't see him starting six games in a row for Chelsea. I've got absolutely no doubts about that. That just wouldn't happen. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been brilliant for Southampton, really has made an instant impact in the Premier League um, at 18 years old, which is testament to, to his skill and the coaching uh, at academy level at Chelsea that you can... These guys like Lamptey and, and Tino Levermento can just be dropped into a Premier League side and look completely at ease. Um, that's not normal to be able to do that. Um, and just as a, as a side note, also Tino Andrin's gone to Lokomo to Moscow, um, obviously as well. In a kind of similar situation, he's out on loan, but Lokomotiv have, a, have an option to buy him in January, which they'll probably exercise. And Chelsea will have a buyback at that point, and he's started well as well. Um, scored a big goal in Europa League, and for him, that experience is really interesting. You know, playing Europa League football against Galatasaray, Marseille, Lazio um, is something that he just probably wouldn't have got Chelsea either. So, as we said earlier, these these young guys aren't prepared just to sit around anymore. Um, they kind of know their worth. Other clubs know that they're being coached at Chelsea, so they're probably going to be very good. Um, and this is the problem Chelsea face going forward. They have to, to plot their strategy very, very, very carefully when when building their future squads because you don't want to keep losing people like Livramentos and Andrins and 
uh, and Mark Gurr, he's going forward because that is quite a big talent drain that probably will cost you a fair amount to, to, to replace in the future going forward. Yeah, I guess obviously other learns and Padu's out at uh, Venezia in Italy. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I guess perhaps more realistic to maybe hoping to break through. Obviously, you know, we still, you know, the Rudica contract situation is still up and the air. Chelsea perhaps don't have necessarily that player at the moment in the squad who could currently fill in there. But out on loan, Levy Colwell at Huddersfield. Look, I'm not, I haven't watched much of him. I've obviously seen, I think he's got a lot last minute winner for Huddersfield a few weeks back. From what you hear, Huddersfield fans are really, you know, big on him. Adam, I guess you're perhaps a person who's seen more of him. Obviously, he started this season, this loan really well. Is it feasible that, you know, has a really strong loan? He could maybe come into the first team picture next season. Obviously, I know it's different manager, but we saw that with, you know, Tamori, you know, after a season of the championship, will be added a couple more before them previous. But is it feasible we could maybe see Colworth, you know, keeps up this, Trajectory. Obviously, I think he might be. Is he injured? He might be have a slight injury at the moment. But if he keeps up his form at the moment, but he could potentially be in the Chelsea first team picture next season, competing for a spot. Oh, that would be quite the jump. Um, and it's not not a done thing usually at Chelsea, unless Frank Lampard's there for a Championship loan to lead to a, a Premier League uh, role for Chelsea. So I imagine there might be a, a top flight loan needed to bridge that gap. But um, like, I, I'm not going to pretend I've watched loads of Levi for, for Huddersfield. I've seen a little bit and he, he looks completely at ease in the championship, which at 18 is not easy to do. Um, what I've always liked about him, and I, I think I tweet this out sort of March time, is that he's just really solid. And I meant that in the, the most positive of ways. Like There's no real weakness to his game. Defensively, he's very reliable. He's really, really good at passing the ball out from the back. Like he, He's incredibly gifted in terms of being able to spot a pass to break lines um he's not slow he's not blisteringly fast but he's not slow he's, he's physically very very dominant and yeah the, there's no real doubt that he has pretty much everything you need to become an excellent center back um he is left footed as well which is a bonus to play on that left side of a back three um on the basis that thomas tickles here in two years which yeah, <laughs> chelsea um but chelsea are very high on levi they think he's got a lot of potential um and he's definitely one that they'll probably try and work in at some point. Um, the important thing for this is, is to just make sure this loan goes well. If he's going to go out on loan next season again, make sure it's the right loan, keep that momentum going. And then hopefully maybe 20, what would we be there? 22, 23 or 23, 24. Um, he's back in the Chelsea setup and, and pushing for a starting role because I definitely think he's got the potential to do so. Fair enough. I guess final loan, Brozier, Southampton, Jack. He's had some cut minutes. Uh, your boy. Um, he started. You know, he had a lively impact against West Ham off the bench. Obviously, he can play against us. Uh, a loan where it's quite hard to assess how good this loan is. He'll get, you know, maybe he's getting slightly more opportunities than he would at Chelsea, but it still doesn't seem like he'll get a huge amount at Southampton. But I guess a decent learning experience. I guess just first, I guess working with a coach like Ralph Hudson Hootel as well, decent for him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Same again, really. Just getting minutes in the in the top league, um, and he's come off the bench in most of them. Going to, like playing at City, it just must have been crazy experience for him. And yeah, when he's been called upon in those cup games, he's delivered. He scored a few goals against uh, Newport, I think it was, and 
Yeah, I think it's one of those you just, as the striker, it's difficult coming on for 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game, but you've just got to hope that one falls to him and he can he can bury it. Um, but it's always going to be difficult for him this season at Southampton as they they brought in that Adam Armstrong for, I think it might have been a club record fee. So if you've brought in someone for that amount of money, he's always going to be the main man and starting. So it's a difficult position for him having to try and play second fiddle, but he's just got to try and try and work his way into that team. Yeah. And then I guess Broge alone, I guess, you know, we just won't know, I guess, how effective it is really till the end of the season. But is it just, I guess, alone just for him, I guess, just to be in a, you know, another a top Premier League club environment, just learning and working with, I guess, a lot of top players. Obviously, he might not get the opportunities he might have loved, but he is still a young player. And I guess it's just a different, you know, cultural and learning experience for him. Yeah, it will be. Um, and, you know, given the trajectory he's had the last two years, it's been so rapid from really struggling to score goals for the 18s to playing really well in Holland and, and scoring in the top flight there. He has had a really good uh, two years. So maybe this is a little bit of a reality check, the fact he hasn't just gone into the Southampton team and continued to score goals. He, he's probably having to work on a few aspects of his game um, to improve, which I was a little bit hesitant as to whether he was ready for a Premier League loan in terms of getting the minutes he probably would want. Maybe a top-half championship would have been better, but uh, I know no doubt that he will improve a lot of, of, of different parts of his game at Southampton. Whether or not he'll get the minutes... I'm not sure, um, and whether or not he's he's really going to uh, be happy with that, I, I doubt, just because he's he's probably got used to playing and scoring goals regularly, and, and to come away from that is difficult, but uh, but hopefully long run, um, Hassel Hutu is a good coach, uh, hopefully long run, it's, it's a loan that does benefit his all-round game. Yeah, okay, I guess we're going to now move on to, I guess, the news, recent news of the week. Uh, Chelsea have five players up for the Ballon d'Or for the men's, they're also four for our, for our women's team, but Five players are Angola Kante, Mason Mount, Romelu Lukaku, Jorginho, and who have I missed? Angola Kante, Mason Mount. That's Pelaqueta. of course. That's Pelaqueta. That's the one. I literally just praised him a few minutes ago. Um, Adam, I guess, you know, I get for, for all these five players, it represents a lot of different things. Angola Kante is, we just know, one of the world's best midfielders at what he does. I don't know if this is his first Ballon d'Or nomination, top 30. I could be wrong, but I feel like second. He must have after 2018, right, of course. Um, but you've got, you know, for him, I guess my main point is for all these players, it represents a lot of different things, but also like a really nice narrative. You know, Jorginho, the man who faced adversity, has come through, always had the year of his life, is now pretty much adored by all Chelsea fans after what he enjoyed at the start. Mesa Mount, simply the boy who had a dream. You know, the banner says it. 20, you know, a few, three years ago where he's playing for Derby in the Championship. Now he's a Champions League winner. He's Ballon d'Or nominee. Lukaku, again, he's now, you know, it took him a while to get there, but he's now living his dream and he's not for a Ballon d'Or. And Cesar Azpilicueta, probably the most dependable and versatile defender Chelsea, one of the most dependable, versatile defenders Chelsea have ever had. It's just quite a really nice, you know, narrative surrounding the Ballon d'Or for Chelsea. Um, who would you say out of those five has the best shout? Has Antonio Rudiger potentially been robbed of a nomination? And has Edouard Mendy also been robbed of a nomination as well? Yeah, perhaps. You, you could have probably made a case for most of the Chelsea team, barring one or two, that they probably deserve to be included. Um, like You look at someone like Christian Pulisic, you, you have big moments in the Champions League run um, and then won the CONCACAF uh, Nations League and he's had 
a lot of success this year as well. So you could look at him. Um, yeah, it's, it's a nice recognition for them all. And as you say, there's lots of different strands to, to why they've been nominated in their Chelsea pars. Without wanting to go all Thomas Tuchel, I'm not a huge fan of individual awards within the context of football because you know it is such a big team sport that you do need to support everyone. But it's it's nice nonetheless. If I had to pick one of those five to win it, I mean, it's very difficult. Um, I'd probably go and go to Kante just because I like I I, I I love Mason Mount. I think he's brilliant. I think Aspilicueta is a Chelsea legend. I think Jorginho has done incredibly well this year and deserves the success uh, he's had um, and deserves the recognition he's got for, for, for the turnaround he, he's, he's had under Tuchel. But Kante, the level that Kante hit in a few of those Champions League games, I've not seen that much from a footballer. Um, to win, was it man of the match awards in both legs of the semi-finals of the Champions League and the final of the Champions League, that is just ridiculous. And he was so good. He was so good. And you, he, he, he's probably the one, I don't know, maybe I'm doing a disservice to, to Romelu Lukaku as well here, but he's probably the one properly, properly world-class, elite-level, take him out of this team, you put him in any other team in the world type of player that Chelsea have. Um, there's a lot in the sort of just level below, but uh, but yeah, uh, I think he, he's properly unique and he would get my vote if I was important enough to have one. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Jack? Out of those five, who do you think has the best shot? And realistically, do you see a Chelsea player winning it or will Messi just win it again? Uh, I think I think Jorginho has a good shout, obviously. The man winning the Champions League and, and the Euros with Italy. I think he's got a great chance. I personally would, would love to see Kante win it. I think Adam just... Adam just hit the nail on the head. I was literally last night going through going through my phone because it's uh, running out of storage. So I was going, out, <laughs> going through having to delete loads of photos and I'd like screenshotted one after the final just saying all the man of the match awards that Kante had won on that way to winning that final. And he was just, yeah, just a man possessed through, through those knockout stages. Um, and... You, everyone knows what a nice guy Kante is. Just so unassuming, seeing photos of him on Twitter and just shopping in Asda. Like, what what's there not to love about N'Golo Kante? So it would just be brilliant for him to win it. It's also great to see Aspi Aspi being nominated. I think that nomination kind of encompasses the whole of his Chelsea career from from 2012 signing for seven million or whatever it was from from Marseille and just how adaptable he's been through the years playing multiple different positions taking Ashley Cole's position at left back when he first came in and we were probably all a bit <laughs> peeved off about that at the start um he, and he's won the bloke's won it all so it's great to see him up there um I mean I would like to see a Giorgino or Kante win it but yeah, I don't know. Messi's always got a shout, doesn't he? Well, you've seen Barcelona this year and you think, how the hell did he get 50 goal contributions in that team last season? So, yeah, I mean, you can't complain if Messi wins it. I'd like to see him win it again just to go, go ahead of Ronaldo, really. <laughs> yeah, or to be fair, if Lewandowski won it after the award got cancelled the year, yeah. he had it pretty much in the bag. I don't think I could complain too much. Yeah, obviously, 
I'd like Mason Mount to win it. Um, but like, <laughs> I've also, if there was any need for people who still don't think Mason Mount is good at football, but he's, you know, I think this should hopefully steer people in that direction, but he is actually very good at football. Um, I think, look, as I did, Daniel uh, Charles very kindly asked me for some quotes on Jorginho a couple of weeks ago for a piece. And I said, Jorginho can win, Jorginho should win uh, Time Magazine Person of the Year. So I'm giving him that award. Then Kante can have a Ballon d'Or. So give Kante the Ballon d'Or. Jorginho can have Time Magazine Person of the Year. And Mason Mount, well, yeah, he'll, he'll win that in the future. And maybe Declan Rice will win it in the future with him too. Who knows? Maybe in a couple of years, Rice will be on that uh, list as well. But moving on to the next question, which came in from RJ. If you were to call the board, which players would you look to offload in January and also bring in any, if possible? Obviously, the January market is not the best time always to do business. Uh, Adam, if there were any first, I guess outgoings is perhaps maybe slightly easier to go at first. If there are any sort of players you would look to be offloading in January, who would they be and why? Um, I think Chelsea maybe are carrying one attacker too many um, when they're all fit. And it's annoying because I really, really do believe there's a, such a good player in Hakim Ziyech, but I just don't see it working for him at Chelsea, especially in this current system. So maybe, maybe, maybe him. Um, the fact that he doesn't look like he's going to go to AFCON, seeing as he's had a massive falling out with the Morocco national team head coach, means that it's not uh, it's not it's not a big issue in January. Like if there's interested clubs, they're not going to lose him for a month straight off the bat. So yeah, probably Ziyech. Um, which I say is a shame because I do think there's a great player in there, but I just don't think Chelsea are going to ever see the best of him. Um, I don't really know what area to Chelsea would really want to improve. I mean, maybe another right wing back. Um, so that Callum doesn't have to keep playing there, perhaps. Um, but Aspi and, and Reese are, are decent enough. Uh, Reese obviously brilliant, and Aspi's brilliant, and, and Aspi's decent enough cover there. Um, uh, maybe you try and like, if, if Chelsea really want to sign Jules Kunde, which you know they, they might do, maybe you try and get that deal done in January on the basis that he comes in the summer, um, just so you're getting things lined up for the potential of maybe one of Silver. And of course, Rudiger potentially going. Um, but I don't really think Chelsea need to do too much, to be honest, in January. They could they could have a quiet window, which um, I know a lot of people find incredibly dull because everyone loves transfers more than football sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree there. Uh, Jack, if there's any players you would look to offload in January and you'd like to bring in, who would they be and why? Um, I think Adam's probably, probably right there with, with Ziyech. I just don't think we kind of play a formation that suits the way he plays so we yeah we probably won't see see the best of him so he could potentially go if Callum's not playing a lot I'd like to see him put his foot down and do what those other young boys have gone and say no nope, I for my career I need to go can you let me go um, whether they do agree to it is another question but potentially potentially him go out on loan or or permanent if it suits with a potential buyback clause. Um, yeah, and I think centre backs probably the probably the potential area just with the with the possible outgoings of Rudiger and people like Silver probably heading off after after the end of this season. Um, so yeah, I'd probably say probably say that. Fair enough. Yeah, in terms of outgoings, I would say unfortunately as it stands. 
Hakim Ziyech. And this was a player, he was a player when we signed all those players under Frankie Matsoma. He was a player I was most excited about. I signed, I see, saw him just tear us apart, Stamford Bridge in that crazy four all game. And I was like, I want him. I want this guy. And I've been so desperate for him to succeed. And he just unfortunately just hasn't quite worked. And I do just ultimately think he was this player signed for Frank's system. Under Frank's system, he was the main guy. He was that big creator. Under Tuchel, was just not the same. So I guess if the offer came in, I would, you know, be happy to see him go. I also think as a result, it would then benefit someone like Callum, the fact that Ziyech is not taking his potential minutes. Um, I think if Callum didn't get the game time we'd like from now to January, then alone again would be quite good for him. So I'd say those two would be, I guess, the main outgoings. Look, if we can get Barkley off the books, then yeah, fair enough. Try go for it. But at the same time, if he if he wants to have like little 15, 20 minute cameos like he does against Southampton and, and play great passes that, that I'm not sure others would play, then sure, go for it. Um, so yeah, in terms of incomings, I don't think it's realistic that we sign. If I feel like if Chelsea has to sign someone, it'll probably be some like really obscure player that is like aim we loan back to someone that's been like you know bought to basically sell on for profit or has been bought to to maybe come in the next two years uh, I don't really see any like big signings who knows maybe if if we could you know start negotiating with Declan Rice and maybe try and get a move for the summer sorted that would be quite nice but honestly I don't I don't see us doing a huge amount of um of business in January to be honest it's I say I don't think Chelsea need a huge amount to do. And we've, you know, midfield is fairly stacked at the moment. I guess the defence is one potential weak spot. But again, you know, if we sign another defender, another defender, then you've also then got to think, how does that impact someone like Trevor Chalobah, who's actually stayed, has been given opportunities whenever he's had him, he's taken them. We don't want to perhaps a situation, and I'm not saying we would have the same one, but one with Tamori where all of a sudden after playing, he's then just out of the picture. He grows despondent and we lose him. I don't want us to have, perhaps suffer a similar fate there so yeah I wouldn't I don't think we will sign anyone really in January anyone major to bolster this this squad unless I don't know maybe yeah unless I say Adam if a wing back became available who could maybe do a job then that might be nice just because obviously you know Reese had that injury and we don't really want to see Aspi at wing back but yeah I don't think much business but I guess final question and it kind of, you know, it's quite random because we discussed, you know, the start of the season, on the season pre before, we made our predictions of where Chelsea would finish in Premier League. And I think we all finished, said that Chelsea would come second. But Dwayne asked, what are our chances of realistically winning the league this season on a scale of one to 10? Jack, you know, we're top. We've got on paper relatively kind fixtures coming up. What do you rate our chances of winning the league this season on a scale of one to 10? Um, I'll say. I'll say eight. I think we'll be we will be up there. We've got a really capable squad, um, and people that are performing when they're coming off the bench, etc. So we need all those players throughout the season. And I think yeah, we've got a good chance as long as we don't have a crisis of injuries. Then I'd I'd put that that value a lot lower. But if we can get people like Rom really up and running. I think we've got every chance for sure. Fair enough. Adam, what are our chances realistically on scale of 1 to 10 and winning the league? Yeah, I was going to say 8 as well. Um, I think the next few games will actually be quite an interesting indicator just to see if Chelsea can just reel off wins against teams they're expected to beat, um, which is obviously very important in terms of, of becoming champions. I also still have in the back of my mind the Club World Cup situation. It just seems to be chucked around at the moment it's going to be played in this part of the season it's going to be played in this part of the season and until Chelsea really know their schedule 
in terms of that, I think it's difficult because I think the plan at the moment is to play in February, which isn't necessarily ideal with the Champions League starting back up and, and the Premier League sort of approaching its run in then. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say eight. And also, you know, let's not discount that Liverpool and Man City are both very, very good as well. And May United aren't so much, but uh, they do have a Portuguese guy who scores goals. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I think I said, going back to that uh, table predictor I did for one, I think after 19 games, I had Liverpool top on 46 points. City second on 43 and us on 42, but I had also passed down as losing at Newcastle away just because that just seems to always, always happen. And, you know, we, we won't, you know, we might not get new manager bounce, but we'll, we'll probably be part of a new owner bounce that's going around Newcastle. And I'm not particularly looking forward to, to that game. Uh, our chances, I'll say, I'll say, yeah, I'll go with you boys. I'll say, I do think there's a really good chance. I think this team have shown they're capable of winning the league. As said, we've also, if you look at it now, we've got, played you know three we've got three pretty tough away games out the way and Arsenal away Spurs away and Liverpool away out the way as well you know you look at United they've not actually played I don't think really a top team yet and we were already you know a couple of points ahead of them so hopefully they can soon get knocked out the race and then it's between us City and Liverpool and I think Liverpool aren't fallible you know I is saying that predictor I gave him 46 points but also I was probably being a bit generous because if you've seen Liverpool can slip up drawn against three or against albeit a very you know Good looking Brentford side this season, but three all against Brentford. They are, they don't seem perhaps as sure at the back as they were in the past. City are City and will just be brilliant, but you also are aware that there will be games like I say, Southampton 0 0, where they just they just struggle. So I think we've got we've got a, a good chance. We'll be up there. Say we've the first the first start of the season was important. We we were you know in there and we are. We've had a really good start. So I think our chances this season really really are great before we wrap up i'm just going to ask boys one final question well, i guess one thing we've learned from this season so far uh in regards to this chelsea team one thing the encouraging sign we've seen from this chelsea team so far i want slightly you know one thing that's still perhaps the same that you know the same old issue remains for chelsea so jack what is one uh really encouraging thing you've seen from chelsea this season just how elite our defenses still still not giving up many chances to teams. I think that's our that's our strongest asset. And then <laughs> probably quite easily going to the other end of the pitch for the uh not so good. We're still not not clinical enough. So if we can yeah if we can really dispatch teams in these next few next few games, um that that would be brilliant to see. Yeah, okay. and Adam on things you've learned one thing that's you know really impressed you and excited you about this team and then one thing that's still perhaps a slight worry for you yeah i guess say echo jack i think the defense has, has been excellent um i think i guess I, actually i'm going to say actually edu mendy has probably excited me the most because there have been games in which chelsea's defense has conceded chances you think of villa at home um in that in that first half and mendy was absolutely fantastic and i think he's fully cemented himself now as, as one of the best goalkeepers in european football and given his backstory that's such an achievement. Um, so that's probably my sort of feel good, impressed, whatever you want to call it, uh, part of, of the season so far. And and yeah, just concern is is just Chelsea still haven't yet really worked out what to do with Romelu Lukaku. His goals early on sort of papered over the fact that Chelsea weren't attacking that well with him um, and that they're going to have to try and find a way to, to, to improve that in the weeks ahead, which I'm confident they will. I'm confident they will. 
Yeah, uh, thing that most excites me this season, the fact that we've still perhaps not been our best, but we're actually scoring more goals this season than we are. I mean, I don't know if it's that's on Tuchel. I've got a feeling under stats on Tuchel, we only scored more than three or more goals in one game under Tuchel last season in the Premier League. And I think you look at games we played this season, we've scored three against Palace on the opening day, three at Spurs, three against Villa, three against Southampton. And while I don't think we've necessarily been at our best in some of those games, I do think we are starting to score more goals and get some more comfortable, convincing wins that we should do. So I guess that's a, a biggest positive. But then also the other end of scale, biggest negative frustration is there are, are still times where I do wonder where a goal is going to come from, from us, where, you know, Juventus you you us away. Unfortunately, as soon as Chiesa scored about 15 seconds into that second half, I was like, right, we will do well to get a draw from this game, unfortunately. So I do think still uh, issues remain. I guess one exciting thing, Tuchel's not, I say, I mentioned earlier, Tuchel is uh, not really afraid to, to trust players and use his squad to say Chalabas had minutes. Barclays have minutes, Rubens have minutes, those have been really encouraging some of the squad players getting minutes. So those would be the things that have really excited me this season. So before we wrap up, as always, I'll give our guest Adam to give himself one last plug. So Adam, where can people find you on Twitter? Where they can where can they find all your work and all your articles for football London? Have you got any interesting pieces coming out this week? Uh, yeah, you could say, as I said earlier, find me at Adam Newson on Twitter or um, the football.london website. Or if you're going to be really specific and just follow what I write, just search Football London and Adam Newson in Google. I just bring up my stuff. Um, and this week, uh, no, to be honest, nothing nothing major. Obviously, we're just kind of waiting around now for <laughs> Chelsea games to come back. Um, there's a few different talking points. Uh, I actually published a piece this morning just on Christian Pulisic, who, uh, from what I gather... And I'm going to caveat this with a, as things stand, because we all know Pulisic's body is not the best. Um, he's expected back in training next week. And uh, as I said, earlier, that might just be an interesting one, given what he can bring to this attack. So um, there's a piece up on that on the Football London website now. Nice one. Nice one. Uh, Jack, obviously, you know, we met, you ran your marathon last weekend and we do have an Eden Hazard boot still up for grabs. Uh, do you want to tell people how long they've got to enter it? Yeah, sure. I said until next Sunday, I think, the 17th. So, yeah, if anyone wants to enter that, I'm sure Nick will put the uh, link to my fundraising page in the description. And all you've got to do is donate £10 is one entry to the raffle. And then if you want, if you're feeling more generous and you want to donate £20, that's three entries. And yeah, once, once you've donated, if you can send us a direct message on on twitter just with your payment confirmation and then we know to contact if you've if you've donated yeah no exactly because also if you donate please don't put anonymous because that makes it very hard for us <laughs> to tell who to tell who has entered it yeah i say if you just send screenshot or yeah send me a dm on twitter at that chelsea pod or instagram at that chelsea pod it just helps because obviously you know if your twitter handle is at you know Callum culture or whatever um I don't know how how I'm meant to tell if you've entered the just giving page or not so it just makes it that bit easier for us and yeah the winner will be announced on the 18th bit closes on the 17th the winner will be announced on the 18th and yeah assigned Eden Hazard boot up for grabs Jack has smashed the just giving target by the way we have absolutely smashed it the goal was three thousand pounds and as I look currently he is on three thousand four hundred ninety with total plus gift aid is four thousand two hundred seventeen pound fifty so he absolutely smashed it and he ran the marathon in two hours, 56 minutes and 43 seconds, which is only for anyone out there interested, it was only 52 minutes, just over 52 minutes 
behind the winner of the actual men's race, the professional men's race. So, uh, yeah, fairly, fairly impressive from the boys. So, yeah, if you want to say if the money goes to a great cause in Nordoff Robbins, you can read more about them on Jack's Just Giving link. So, yeah, that entry is still open till the 17th of October and Jack will t- announce the winner and will announce the winner on the 18th. So if you want to donate, feel free. Uh, as for us, on Instagram, I've had Pod on Twitter, I've had Pod on all your usual podcast platform providers. If you want to leave us a rating and review, that helps. That goes a long way, helps us get us out there. If you're on Twitter, if you like and retweet the pod, that helps us get out there. At the end of the day, we're just Chelsea fans talking about the one club we love and we're very fortunate from doing this pod. We've got to meet people like Adam who covers Chelsea who gets to talk to Thomas Tuchel, who gets to be at press conferences, etc. We get to get his expertise on the pod. And it's really, we are really, really appreciative of that. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.